Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to need as a songwriter, as a singer, as an artist. That's how you're going to get the pug deal. That's how you're going to get the love from managers, from booking agents, from a record label, from other band members, from the, from the musicians in your community to make something better. You're going to need leverage. That's why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Leverage means you've got a track record already. It means that it's not the idea. It's not the potential. It's not something we need to believe in. It's something that we can already see. And therefore, I can connect the dots myself in the Brilliant Baxterdom there comes from my friend and co-host, word man, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on a regular basis, he gives you opportunities to connect with the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities. And through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. The investors are the money people. And the money people like the numbers because the numbers don't lie. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That is production, singular, no S. And there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening, brother? Hello. What are we going to learn about today? Oh, man, I'm stoked because today is actually, I know it's going to go well because it already went. It's, I'm <laughs> sharing an interview that I did with a, with a pro songwriter who writes CCM, he writes country, and I have an interview with him that is already recorded. It's over in the Freddie community. If you're a member over there, maybe you've seen it. If not, I want to, it was just too good to keep to myself. Okay. So we're going to share that today. I love that. Well, before mm-hmm. we do that, let's take care of a little business here. We know it's a digital world out there, but it's still an important role for physical media in today's independent musician. Straight up, one of our artists, Alora, is on tour right now with a band called Texas Hippie Coalition. Mm-hmm. Alora's direct support. They've been selling a pretty good average of around 100 to 150 bucks a night of merch. The headliner sells $800 a night of merch, and these are like bigger clubs. Cool. So it's not, I mean, digital royalty payments are small. They're so small, but when you're selling CDs, vinyl, T-shirts, and, and things of the like at gig koozies, whatever, it becomes an important income generator. It's what's necessary to fund the tour, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And knock, knock. Who's there? Math. Hello? Yes. Math? <laughs> Math says for every CD you sell at a gig, you need about, oh, you know, like 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. So that's 3,000 streams to equal... Selling one CD. Mm. Why aren't you selling CDs? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're yeah. literally leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. Thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. And you can find the fine folks at Disc Makers at www.discmakers.com, or you can give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. There you go. And hey, if you haven't joined the Climb community yet on Facebook, please do so. We let everybody in. You have to request to be let in, but it's active, very active. This is not a Facebook group where people are screaming at the wall, where nobody's, everybody's well-behaved, where we have it organized. And Brent, that's 
largely in part to you. So that's, <laughs> that's off to you. But uh, you know, well, you know, I learned us. I learned discipline when I was in the Facebook joint. <laughs> in the clink, I learned to be dis- no. <laughs> But uh, I mean, we've got places, times when you're going to put your music up and get some feedback on it mm-hmm. and talk about your wins. And it's just structured. That's all it is. You'll figure it out the ropes and, and, and you'll be able to hang out. So if you haven't done that yet, do so. You got a quick update on that? Yeah, you? yeah. Just kind of scrolling through what's going on uh, in the community at the time of this recording. Our most recent New Heights post, which is where you climbers can share your wins, music-related wins. I'll, I'll just shout out a couple of these. Brett Cusack. It says uh, release two singles online and a third one coming up this month. So congrats and good luck, Brett. And then Randy England said, book my first November Riders round. So good job, Randy. Good job, Brett. And so those are just some of the stuff that people are sharing, some of the wins people are having. So it's a good way to get motivated. We also have the social share post that comes out once a week and you can share like, hey, this is where y'all can find me so you can help connect on a deeper level with the people in the group. We have the co-writer connect. We have the gig alert. So if you're playing out, Hey, here's a place where you're actually welcome to share that. There you go. Good stuff here. Yep. It doesn't come across unsolicited. We are soliciting you for that information. Well, and so. it's great because it's all as a comment under that post. So if you want to go looking for it, you know where to find it. You just go to yep. one post and read the comments. If you don't want to see it, you don't have to look at it. It's not junking up the feed. That's right. And uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you consume podcasts. We are everywhere. I believe. Mm-hmm. Take five seconds, 10, all right, 20 seconds. Leave a five-star rating review. Okay, leave an honest rating and review. We hope it's five stars. <laughs> we read them all and we'll make you famous. Even mm-hmm. the bad ones. We've read some pretty crappy ones. There's a couple out there. So we're honest with it. We take it on the chin. And mm-hmm. finally, if you're finding value in this, Brent and I were just talking about how much people binge this. The stats show us that. Sometimes we'll have an episode that you're like, we have a great day where it's like, oh, wow, there's a boatload of downloads. And then you look at the latest episode and it's not because of the latest episode. It's because of all the episodes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like it's spread out more than you think it would be like, oh, it's not all the new episode. People are going back and listening to the old ones, which is awesome. Yeah. Because they're all valuable. So. And so people are binging. So here's the deal. The content, you know, we feel it's good. We feel it's, it's reaching people. Obviously, we're still doing it almost four years later. If you like it, share it. Tell somebody about it. Put it on your socials. Make sure you tell some other musicians and some other songwriters and other people that would this content would be interesting to. Hey, you're going to want to check this out. I mean, we've got amateurs. We've got pros. We've got big time pros talking about it. I mean, mm-hmm. people that I'm flattered that I'm flattered that everybody listens to it, but I mean, people yeah. that I find out like that listen to it, I'm like, oh my God, you listen to it, really? Like, yeah, it's like, so, so we're not full of it. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> That's usually my reaction is like, so we're doing all right. They're like, yeah, you're spot on. I'm like, okay, good. Just checking. It's, it's true. I had like, well, did we talk about this in the podcast? Like the one hit songwriter that I had, I was, was working, one of my artists was recording at his studio and I had never met him before. We ended up hanging out and we just get into a conversation about the future of music and digital marketing and, and blah, blah, blah. And I hand him a card and mm-hmm. he looks, my card has Daredevil production on one side and on the other side, it's got the climb. And he turns over the card and he's like, he's like, oh, you listen to the climb and just as the words are coming out of his mouth, you see the, him doing the math, like, wait a why second. Why is it on I, your card? Yeah, yeah. why? Uh, hey, you're Johnny. I'm like, dude, I'm Johnny. He's like, I listen to your podcast. I love that, dude. I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. You know, so what a yeah. great, it was a good moment for me that nobody That's can great. ever take away, you know? So, so share it. People like it, okay? All right, so let's get into this interview. Who do we got? Yeah, so today is, so over in the Freddie community, which is in the process of becoming also the songwriting pro membership community, but um, I do something called The Hang, which is I 
call up a, either a buddy of mine in the music business or someone that is not a buddy yet, but we're going to become buddies and just interview them, sit down online. So it's a video interview and they go for about 30 minutes and you know, just people in various parts of the business. And then they, they're up in their evergreen in the member area where you can watch those. And, and I try to ask questions that are going to be helpful. And so I just thought I'd share it one of these two episodes ago with Ted Hewitt, who's the producer for Rodney Atkins. And then today we're going to share a hang with Tyrus Morgan. So Tyrus is a Nashville via Kansas singer, songwriter, and worship leader. He's landed cuts in both country and Christian music. In country, he's written a Walker Hayes cut, and he's currently writing with Walker for his upcoming project, Walker oh, wow. Monument Records. You know, You Broke Up With Me and Craig yeah. and some other cool songs. Some cutting edge kind of stuff. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And he also has cuts or singles coming up with like Kevin Mack and Jaden Michaels. On the Christian side of the street, Tyrus has penned hit singles for Unspoken, Good Fight. If you know Good Fight, if you listen to K-Love or The Fish or whatever, you probably heard that one a lot. He's had cuts by New Song, as well as cuts or singles by Johnny Diaz, Battle Drums, Worship, Finding Favor, Jenny Owens, We Are Messengers, Cochran and Company. He's, and he's a staff songwriter for Emac and Goatee. So not too shabby. And so I just sat down with him for about a half hour and we're just going to, it was too good not to share. So I just want to share with the climate community. I love it. Well, let's get into it. All right, here we go. Our guest today is a Nashville via Kansas singer, songwriter, and worship leader. He's landed cuts in both the country and Christian music markets. In country, he's written a Walker Hayes cut and is currently writing with Walker for his upcoming project on Monument Records. He also has cuts or singles coming up with Kevin Mack and Jaden Michaels. On the Christian side of the street, our guest has penned hit singles for Unspoken, Good Fight, which I hear on the radio, and new song, The Same God, as well as cuts or singles by Johnny Diaz, Battle Drums Worship, Finding Favor, Jenny Owens, We Are Messengers, and Cochran and Company. He's a staff songwriter for Emac and Goatee, which is Toby Mac's publishing company. If you know who Toby Mac is, if you don't, you need to listen more K-Love. Okay, so that's not too shabby. What really warms my heart about our guest today is that his family has answered the call to care for orphans through international adoption. I don't know if we'll get to that today, but it's something close to my heart, so I like to call that out when I can because uh, we're an international adoption family as well. But anyway, Tyrus Morgan, thanks for hanging with us today. Man, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for taking some time before uh, you're writing later today. Or are you having a... I am producing today, and then I'm going out on the road and riding uh, on the bus for a couple days starting tonight. So going to kind of get some production done today and then head out. Awesome. Well, good deal. So this is production for another artist? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. We it's may cover fun. that. We may, we may get to that if time allows. I have a couple questions I like to try and ask everybody and get through those, and then we'll just kind of see where everything goes. So my goal today for The Hang is to inspire, educate, and motivate our fellow songwriters. And so I want to do that by having an honest conversation, by keeping it real. So we want to cover some of the ups and some of the downs and you know, just let people know kind of what your version of the music life is. Everyone has their own version of it. I have mine, you have yours, but just let, give people a flavor of a little bit of what they might be in for. And yeah. so I like to start off with something I call cuts and bruises. So it's basically your best story of a cut and then the best or most painful story of a music industry bruise. So something that, you know, a high and a low. And y'all flexed up, you, you cracked your knuckles, you ready to go? I'm ready, brother. All right. So why don't we start off with a, a cut story? So either, you know, a first cut, best cut, whatever it might be, some high moment for you. Yeah, absolutely. Man, 
a really high moment was the first time I got in the room with Walker Hayes. We wrote a song called Leela Stars and we just we just kind of locked the door and uh, didn't come out until we felt like that song was was at least super close. And uh, I kind of said, I'm in my mind, I thought, man, I'm not leaving this room until I hear Walker say, hey, I think this may make it. Mm-hmm. So we we just kept hammering that out. I think we spent probably six or seven hours that first day, and then we probably had another three or four hours of rewrites because that, that song, I don't know if you've heard it, but yeah, it I have. is just chock full of lyric. <laughs> so there's a ton <laughs> of lyric in there. So lots of editing to do and the way the rhyme scheme works and with his kind of hip hop type of flow, it just it kind of makes those rhyme schemes the way that it falls just super intricate, which just slows down the writing process, but makes it super fun as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get that line that, that flows right and has the rhyme. Exactly. Exhilarating exactly. or just uh, relieving. Yeah, a little above. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 So great. Yeah. So that one did go on to get cut and it's on which project is it on for him? Because I've it's heard it. On, uh, I think it's called Break the Internet. Okay. So is the name of the, the record. And I really recommend not not only do I love Walker as a person, but just I think his music's super fun and mm-hmm. killer. It's a great summer playlist type of thing. So I'd recommend people just go listen to all his stuff. Cool. Yeah, I remember that just because I've heard a lot of of his story, you know, working at Costco and, you know, I've heard the story behind that song and just kind of what he was going through at that time. So that's. Exactly. I remember that day he was just telling me that whole story because we had never even met in person till that day. And it's funny, I called my dad my secondary publisher because my dad gives baseball lessons here in Nashville and had been given Walker's kids lessons for about a year. And for about a year, he kept telling me, man, you really need to get together with this Walker guy. I think that you guys would hit it off. I think you could do something fun. And my dad said that a few other times, and I hadn't always agreed with him. (laughs) And so (laughs) I didn't know who Walker was at first. And so it took a while to get us together. And once we got together, my dad was exactly right. So it was just kind of a neat way to get together and connect and We've remained good friends. We've been writing just last week for, for his new project that I think he has to have turned in this summer. So, yeah, it's just been a neat situation. Cool. That is something I wanted to talk about is that, you know, writing with the artist. I mean, that's a huge topic of conversation on the row. And if you look at the country charts, it's really easy to see why. Is So many artists write their own songs. And, and so if you yeah. want to get a cut, one of the best ways is, is to get in the room with the artist. And so, yeah, you're writing with Walker. Now, if, correct me on my timeline if I'm wrong on this, but when you wrote Layla Stars, that was after his first record deal ended, right? And so he was, was he between deals at the time? And Yeah, well, he was, I don't know exactly like when he actually signed with Sony Monument. Mm-hmm. So he might have, because that song is the Sony Monument release. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure kind of exactly like when we wrote it versus but definitely his deal with Capital was done, but he might have been under Sony around that time. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you how you got in the room with him because it's it's such a topic of conversation. That's something I'm always curious about. And it's anecdotal. Everyone has their kind of own path, how they end up you know, in the room with totally. an artist that either is a major artist or is on their way to becoming a major artist or an unknown yeah. at the time. So yours was a dad recommendation. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend having a dad that believes in you and is willing to, <laughs> to talk, talk well. Of you. And, and it's been cool too, because I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I'm fighting to figure out ways to get in the room with established artists and, and all those sorts of things. That's an everyday fight. But what's been really cool about getting in Walker's camp is he's got two publishers. They're very connected. So I've gotten relationships now with Smack and Rare Spark, which has led to other Sony Monument artists like Teddy Robb and a couple other people that uh, I'm currently kind of in the room with. So it's been really cool. Just the doors. I mean, you know how that works. The mm-hmm. doors just seem to start to open whenever if you get got one person that really believes in what you're doing. They can start to open a lot of doors for you. Cool. Yeah. And I think one thing I find interesting about artist co-writes, because I've had the thing too, you mentioned how, you know, Walker's one of your friends is there are artists I've written with where I think we've written good songs, but I probably don't want to go hang out on the bus just because maybe our lifestyles are so different or whatever it is. Like, I don't know how, how much legs this thing has, you know, versus other people you write with, you're like, we really connect as people. And so I guess Walker's one of those people that you connect, you know, on a personal level. Yeah. And it's been funny because that's kind of how my career has been both with Walker really being the beginning on the, country career the last couple of years for the most part and then on the christian side which i've i've done a lot more and have been in that a lot longer i've noticed that i mean for the most part a big chunk of my cuts or singles or success however you want to look at any of that has been i mean I, it's kind of probably more quality less quantity from the standpoint of like i'm writing with artists that truly 90% of them are good friends of mine, and I am I do go out on the bus with them. Our families do get together and hang out, and so I have a lot of cuts with that smaller group of artists. Mm-hmm. That's starting to change a little more recently. I, part of it is my publisher's doing a good job of just spreading that out a little bit, but mm-hmm. I seem to go pretty deep with the artists that I write with. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So get a lot on the books, you mean, and just kind of keep going back and kind of keep yeah. a day on the books. Yeah. And I've also found, I think the older I get, I just, I want to write with people that I really enjoy being around. And I mean, cause you spend a lot of time talking about pretty personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're not at least somewhat enjoying the person you're with and care about their story, especially them as an artist. And I always look at my job as a songwriter is to come along and serve that artist. I mean, probably first and foremost, I'm serving the song because mm-hmm. I can I can do that whether I'm writing by myself or just with another writer or with an artist. But whenever it comes to writing with an artist, that's like the main thing is I want to just serve what they're trying to say, what they're trying to build, the brand they're trying to strengthen. Yeah, I think that's great advice for, for everybody. We are in the service business and we yeah. the more we think about what can I do to serve somebody else, then you know, Zig Ziglar said we can get basically anything we want out of life as long as we help enough other people get what they want. You know, we kind of by default get what what we're aiming for. Yeah. I think that's important whether people are going into publisher meetings or going into co-writes with artists. It's not about what can you do for me? Hey, Mr. Publisher, I got these songs. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you sign me a deal? Why don't you go get my songs cut? But instead of coming in going, okay, well, what do you need? How can I provide that for you? Because Publishers right. are also in the service business of serving artists and serving labels. And that's how they continue to keep the lights on. Absolutely. And that honestly is such a shift in thinking. I mean, I think I would venture to say almost everybody, 99.9% of people that moved to Nashville to try to get a deal. It is all about what can I get? What can I get? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty natural. But I think once that shifts to, Listen, I am a songwriter. I am a professional songwriter. Maybe not everyone knows it yet. Mm. You know, that needs to be more the mentality. And so this is what I do. And what I do is through that is serving someone else. Just like if I were a a professional plumber. I mean, that's what I do for a living. It provides for my family, but it's also serving the people that have are having trouble at their house and need a plumber. Mm-hmm. So I try to, that's definitely been a shift for me. Cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a wise one. I'm I'm working on that as well. All right. So yeah. that's a cut story. So a happy story. So now the flip side of that coin, the, the bruise, the music business bruise. What's your best or worst, most painful, however you describe it, story of the the other side, the down to go with a high. Well, I mean, I've got plenty, but I'm just gonna jump to probably the first big bruise, a uh, very disappointing thing. And looking back, I see that probably it set me up to have correct expectations for being in this business but (laughs) not long I mean I'd only been in Nashville for maybe probably less than two years which for anyone that's come and done the Nashville thing knows that's like a blink of an eye Mm -hmm. but for people thinking about going to Nashville that seems like a really long time but Anyway, within those first couple of years, I moved here right after Carrie Underwood won yeah. American Idol. 
or maybe she won it like that second year I was here, something like that. And I had a direct in with Mark Bright, who was working on her first project with mm-hmm. Jesus Take the Wheel and got together with two other writers. One of them was, was Mark's staff writer. And we wrote a song that I still think has legs and could just be updated a little bit, probably needs a new demo. But that song made it all the way in a studio with her and then it didn't end up mm-hmm. making it. And then the same song got put on hold by Jody Messina and then didn't end up making that. And it was all within like two months of each other. I think it got put on hold with a big record label and they weren't sure who the artist was going to be, but they just said, we want to put this on hold because we love the song and someone needs to cut it. And I said, I agree. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yes. And so it still is sitting on a 13, 14 year old demo right now that but I still go back and revisit. But I remember thinking at that time, I was like, man, everyone says it's a 10-year town. I'm going to have this jump start within two years. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus Take the Wheel maybe was already out as a lead single and was already killing it. And then they're finishing the record, if I remember okay. right. And so I knew that it was going to be big. I mean, because yeah. she had such a huge buzz around her. And mm-hmm. so I was just seeing seeing this golden path in front of me because I knew all the doors that would open and then none of it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's one of those, even so early on was hopefully encouraging as well, you know, because I think that's one of those things of like, it's more of like a higher class problem, higher, you know, like a high class heartache kind of thing to be able to have that. I remember the first time, like I just moved to Nashville and you know, I've been making some trips and somebody had told me over at, uh, it was there at RPM music, totally different cast of characters then, but I was meeting with Tracy over there and played her a song. She's like, Oh, I've heard this one. Yeah. I played this for Tim, you know, for McGraw. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, well you passed on it. But I was like, he heard my song, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when I just moved to town like the week before and I was just amazed going, okay, this is like, I wish he'd loved it. But at the same time, like, okay, well that's at least possible. That's further than I've ever gotten before. And, well, and they're not playing songs for him. I mean, they're not going to waste their time or credibility. So that said a lot. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I compare it. I don't know. I'm actually not a huge golfer, but I do see a very similar uh, analogy here. It's like when you do go play golf occasionally and you play terrible, your score is terrible. Mm-hmm. But the day was nice. It was enjoyable. Maybe you had a good friend out on the course with you. So there's lots of positives going on. And then you hit maybe the last shot of the day and you hit it perfect. Right. And you're like, and you had just said, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you hit that last shot perfect. And you're like, we should do this again next week. You know? <laughs> right. Just and, enough to uh, keep you hanging on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's great. Let's see. So we've talked to, you know, some about relationships and, and also about getting some cuts. And do you pitch your own songs? Or is, are the folks over at Emac and Goatee handling most of that, or is there a mix? Yeah, definitely a mix. And honestly, I don't spend a ton of time, and honestly, neither do they, on just straight-up outside pitches. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll do it occasionally if we see a really good in, or we just feel like the song is a perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. But we are way more focused on just creating great rooms. Mm-hmm. So they, they work on creating great rooms. Yeah, and that and honestly, that's what I 
try to do too, especially as I have gained relationships with artists, I'm trying to then pull in, you know, if, if I know that artist's strength is uh, maybe having a vision for a song and an idea and great melodies, but could use help with heavy lifting on the lyric, then I'm going to pull in my buddy who I think's the best lyric. And that day I may play more utility man where maybe I'm building a track, maybe I'm helping with some lyric, maybe I'm editing a melody, something like that. And then vice versa. And if it's someone that's just a great lyricist. And so I'm, we're both me and my publisher are really focused on just creating great rooms. And I think a lot of that is just out of the nature of outside songs are just harder to get placed right now mm -hmm. because of the artist writing. So we're just more focused on building those relationships, getting great rooms. Yeah, I think that that speaks to the yeah the power of relationships, which is have always been important in any business. I mean, really, any business is a relationship business, but especially in the music business as it is now versus maybe how it used to be. Is I'm hearing that more and more, you know, from publishers going, "What do I do? I manage calendars." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I used to go out and pitch songs, and now I I manage calendars and try to get the right people in the right rooms. Exactly. Yeah. Which you know, if you're like me, you probably you know, I moved to town, no artist aspirations at all because I sing like a horse. But, you know, just as a straight <laughs> lyricist going, I just want to sit in a room and write songs and yep. have them magically end up on the radio. Yep. And didn't want to think so much about the other parts of it. The, yeah. you know, the networking, the getting in the right rooms, creating a great room, I think is a, is a good way to put it. And so what are some of the strengths you think that you bring to a room? Because you mentioned... Sometimes you're the utility person, you know, you produce, you may build a track, that sort of thing. What is? Yeah, I mean. As your publisher, a, you know, is selling you. Yeah. <laughs> Getting you in the room. Probably, I mean, I, I think I am sold as a utility guy a lot because I do think I am able to fill some of those roles. I'm probably, I'm kind of like a jack of many trades and master of none is probably yeah. my strength and my weakness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started out probably, I was an artist and I probably started out more as the guy that can sit down with an acoustic guitar, string a couple cool lines together in a decent melody and have something to start with. Mm -hmm. Over time and out of survival, I became more of a lyric guy at first because I was getting some of these artist rights where they just had killer melodies. And so I would really heavy lift on lyric mm -hmm. and I really have gotten to where I'm proud, I guess, in, in a healthy way of just like, I've worked hard to exercise that lyric side of my brain and be focused on that and have a radar up for ideas and, and lines. And then and then over time, I started just out of necessity. I'd say, man, I love this song. I wish we'd go ahead and get that, get that demoed. And then demo, you know, there's six or $700. And maybe it didn't end up sounding how I wanted it. So I started, I bought a Pro Tools rig and just started messing with that and started creating my own demos. Then people started liking my demos and started having me produce stuff. So it's kind of just been naturally out of kind of survival of, okay, now I guess I produce and that allows me when I don't have good royalties coming in to still make a living. Mm -hmm. And it's another way of adding value and serving somebody. Yep. Being in the room. Yep. Exactly. So when I first moved to Nashville, I was, you know, most everybody's turning in guitars, work tapes to publishers. Hey, right. here's us banging away, you know, one or two writers or three writers or whatever, banging away in the room. Here's our copy of it. Yeah, here you go. Let us know if you want to demo it. 
And I was talking to a publisher, I guess last year, year before or something, just and he was saying how most of what he gets now is already pretty much done. Like by the t- yeah. first time he hears it, is that something that, you know, cause you're writing a lot, you're going out on the road to write, you're also producing. So you're busy. What's kind of your bar for, cause you can do tracking and do some of your own stuff for what gets the love and kind of what doesn't as far as taking it to that next level. Yeah. Probably first and foremost, if it's an artist, right, and the artist is super into that song, mm-hmm. then I'm going to probably pull out all the stops to make sure there's nothing that would make them change their mind about that song. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of blow that out. Probably the second thing after that would just be if I love the song and I really believe in the song, then I'm going to spend time demoing that out. Then third would be <laughs> if a co-writer or or a uh, or a publisher says hey we really need this demoed which i then sometimes might say well do you want to invest in that demo a little bit i can invest some time but we need real drums do you want to invest in real drums or whatever and i don't know i I've, I've got some opinions about kind of how that demoing situation happens and the whole track guy in the room thing <laughs> is kind of a whole nother conversation. I think there's a lot of value there, but Mm -hmm. I also don't love the trend of someone being in the room with their back to you for three hours building a track and, and or the expectation that if you can do tracks, that that's just part of your job to spend another day or two whenever you just wrote 33 or 50% of a song. Right. Like you and I get together for three or four hours, we write a song, then the next day I'm on to my next co-write and I expect you to spend the next day tracking the song. Right, right. Which again, like I think it's totally, it's all part of it and great and I'm happy and I enjoy doing it when, when I'm excited about the song and or when I just see a lot of potential for the song. I think that makes total sense and that's part of my job. But I think a lot of times publishers and writers can get in that thing of, well, I need to turn in a song. And so I need this demoed. And I'm kind of like, well, that's two more days of work for me mm-hmm. for you to just turn in another song. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so. We're in the service business, but there are limits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's maybe service, but it's not really adding much value. Exactly. Uh, I guess is the thing. Right. And I have found though that, I mean, I am starting to notice some A&R people and, and publishers, I wouldn't say getting back to what you were talking about, where it was kind of just a work take guitar vocal, but I am noticing people are starting to say, hey, we don't need this like full blown, maybe just like a pad and an acoustic vocal and, and a little bit of a beat just to show that it, just to make sure people understand it's up tempo or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think people are getting more reasonable about, what needs to be on the demo again, which I think is really healthy because it's also good for the creative process to be left a little bit more open for the producer. Mm-hmm. Let them do their jobs right. a little bit more. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Well, cool. As we're, as we're kind of rounding the, to the home stretch here, I'd love for you to share some advice, uh, two kinds of advice. Uh, and the first one, we're going to cover craft and business advice. So do you have any specific craft advice for aspiring songwriters just from stuff you picked up it could be something super specific like i heard one time john lennon you know in an article they asked him for advice he said the word just be very suspicious of it 
you know, so super specific, just on a word, like don't yeah. use that word a lot. Or it yeah. can be something more general. Is there anything that springs to mind as a uh, good piece of craft advice for people listening? Yeah, I mean, this has probably been said on your podcast and every other, every other writing one probably ever, but I think it's the most important. And that is to treat writing it is getting up and going to work every day. It's not, I mean, especially I think young aspiring kind of people that are just starting out still, I mean, I'll get approached quite often, you know, if I'm at a show uh, with an artist or I still play out a little bit or in other settings, just people, young people coming up and asking me about songwriting and then they'll start talking about inspiration and I just kind of cringe at inspiration. I'm like, man, inspiration is like the frosting on your birthday cake once a year. You know? <laughs> right. And it's really more about, are you writing every day? Are you at least doing some sort of writing exercise every day? I mean, I'm a big, for years I did like parallel writing and different exercises to grow parts of my songwriting craft that I didn't feel like were we're good enough. And I'm still doing things like that. And then definitely just constantly having my radar up for ideas. And I mean, a list a mile long on my memos on my phone, you yeah. know, as, as you do. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, think, I think it's just putting in the effort and realizing like, if you want to write songs, you don't just get to write it every now and then and, and make a living at it. Like it's going to the mill and getting to work. Cool. Great. And, and as far as, and that kind of covers business too, but is there a, like a piece of business advice that you'd want to share with, with aspiring writers? I think the industry more, side of things. Yep. I've always been very like independent minded and independent how I do things. But I think the biggest thing for me that I'm, that I'm learning is the value of a team. Mm-hmm. And having people, and, and I mean, it doesn't have to be in any official capacity. I mean, it might be your publisher, it might just be a co-writer, or it might be multiple people. Um, like for me, in producing records, I used to do all of it. And now I'm pulling in a team to do what they're best at and, and pulling in younger guys that I believe in and having them do parts of what I'm doing. And, and just seeing, I'm just seeing a lot of fruit from that, both from a business standpoint, as well as like, it feels good again to help a younger guy out and give him an opportunity to, to do something. So I think just the value of a team and being willing to understand that being creative is collaborative. If not anything else, if you're collaborative that day and, and create something together, like you can feel pretty good about that. Cool. Excellent advice. So dittos to that. Tyrus, yeah. th thank you so much for spending your part of your morning with us, uh, for hanging with us, and good luck on the road this weekend. Good luck in the studio today. And thank you, brother. I appreciate keep on it, fighting man. the good Enjoyed fight, it. right? <laughs> Enjoyed it, bud. Thank All you. Right. Thanks so much. God bless. All right. Bye bye. Bye. And we're back. Uh -huh. Whoa, that was a fast interview. No. <laughs> yeah, on our end, just doing the intro natural. That was just sped by. <laughs> Killer man. What'd you learn from that? So Ed, just a. A lot of great information. I think I would love to hear what you guys thought about it. So when this episode drops, give us your thoughts in the comments. What you had to say about Tyre, some of those cuts and bruises stories, how much, you know, 
relationships have impacted his career, that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear that. And especially your thoughts on building a great room, because that's something we talked about for a bit is how to, the importance of building a great room. And so I'd love to hear from you in the comments. Also, if you want to see the interview, if you want to hear you know, more interviews like the ones we had with Tyrus and with Ted and several more in there, we'd love to have you come join us in the Freddie community. You can find that through songwritingpro.com or at freddie.com, F-R-E-T-T-I-E.com. Membership is super cheap and super valuable. The hang videos are just one little piece of what we do over there. And I think it's worth a look-see. So that's at freddie.com. Freddie.com. All right. Well, there you go, guys. So that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts so that you get every single episode. You can consume them at your will. Take 30 seconds and leave an honest rating review. Let some other people know about it. We're trying to get our, our ratings and reviews up over 200 mm-hmm. before the end of the year. So, and we've been you know, climbing steadily now. So if you're thinking about doing it, please take the time. Make sure that uh, you tell somebody about it. That's what's most important that if you like it and people hear from you that you like it, then they're going to be more likely to listen to it and get value from it too. And join the climb community if you haven't done so already, right? You got anything else to add? That's it. Oh, actually, I do have a gift for you. So for tuning in, I have a free ebook. It's called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. You can get it at giftfrombrent.com. So you can get instant access there. Just tell me where to send it. I'll send it out to you. Again, it's a free ebook, Think Like a Pro Songwriter, distills some of the lessons I've learned the hard way. So you don't have to. And it's at giftfrombrent.com. Other than that, keep on climbing. There you go. Yes, we we okay. keep on climbing, and we'll see you at the top. Oh, I know. Twisted it on you. Like how I did that. <laughs> Bam. Keep it fresh. <laughs> the flea flicker. <laughs> <laughs>